The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. We are live across Facebook, across Twitch, and across YouTube. And I've got uh, one of the finest minds in the wrestling business with me today for this live episode of Wrestling with Jonas, Brutal Bob Evans. So, uh, Bob, um, how you doing there? All the way across the ponds in the US. Uh, how's your day been? And uh, thank you for joining me today. Oh, I'm. Um, wonderful. Thank you for having me. And when you said one of the best wrestling minds, hello, hello, am I here? Yeah, you you carry on, Bob. Yep. <laughs> oh, all right. No, great. Yeah, great to have me, man. Thank you. No, Thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine. And uh, during this live broadcast, we encourage you to send us your questions for Brutal Bob. Uh, any comments you want to leave, we'll try to answer as many questions as we can during the next 45 minutes or so with Brutal Bob Evans. But uh, first of all, Bob, I need to ask you about uh, the WrestleLife.com or uh, the WrestleLife community. Uh, tell us all about it because it's been going for a few years now. Uh, but uh, what was the original concept behind the WrestleLife then, sir? Well, actually, the, the online concept is actually quite new. It's, uh, we've only been going since, I would say, I think, we, I think we launched the site February 2nd, but we did a soft launch on the middle of December so of 2020. So we're uh, still in the kind of in the, in the new mode of kind of just getting it going and uh, rolling with it. But it all started from you know, my training and I, I ran, a, you know, I've, I've wrestled for 29 years and started a school in 2000, about eight years into my career. I started in 1992. And what I noticed was that in the beginning, I was training people very arrogantly. I was training people like my way was the only way. And I, 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 I was a pretty darn good trainer, but I also found that I was starting to become elitist and not really open-minded. So, um, so I ran my school for about eight or nine years and in about 2009, 2010, I jumped in and I started learning, started becoming a regular part of ring of honor and started learning from delirious and a lot of other great wrestling minds there. And I learned a lot of new things. I would say the last 10 or 11 years have been by far the most educational for me. And how I did that was I just kind of decided to, you know, I said, hey, man, they're accepting me in here. They're learning from me. I'm learning from them. And it was a great collaboration for a long time. And when I started doing a lot of the Ring of Honor tryout camps as a coach, as a guest coach, um, I was starting to see a lot of people from all over the country, all over the world. And they kind of dug what I was doing when I was training people. And they said, hey, do you do seminars all over the country? And, you know, I'm 40 years old at this time, you know, so it's. It's uh, it's one of those things where I didn't really start traveling until about seven or eight years ago and really started getting into the swing of things. And I said, man, this is so much fun going to meet a bunch of new people. And now in the past, really, I've kicked it in maybe the last five years really heavily. And we visited 42 out of the 50 states in the U.S. and three provinces of Canada. And hopefully we'll be coming to see you in the U.K. 
in England, maybe Ireland, Scotland, I hope, in uh, late 2021, we hope. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. But uh, a lot of the uh, advice that you offer in your seminars and your training, and in particular the website, thewrestlelife.com, is, is, is a bit more than just about how to be a great wrestler. It's about how to manage your life, how to create that balance, isn't it, between pro wrestling and real life outside of the squared circle, uh, money, social media, promotion, building the brand. So give us a bit more detail then, Bob. Yeah, it, it, right now it's uh, I was kind of forced because I didn't really have a ring to work out, and I'm up in New England. I'm up in, um, you know, the colonies. <laughs> I'm in Massachusetts, so um, we didn't really we were on lockdown pretty strictly until maybe about a month ago, and they've started to kind of loosen it up a little bit, and uh, they're allowing small pra- small wrestling practices and stuff. But um, so I didn't really have access to a ring, but. Really, what I was figuring out is I would go do a lot of in-ring stuff at the seminars, but people were really digging the other stuff I was giving them. I would have a breakout session about an hour at the end, the last hour at every seminar and talk to people about how to make more money in wrestling. How to, I, I literally had a checklist I would read down. How to, the things you need to make more money in wrestling, how to double your income, how to five or ten extra income in a year if you do it right. And it isn't a sales pitch or some kind of, like a pyramid scheme it's common sense stuff and it's again if you run the wrestling more like a business and i don't necessarily mean that as in we have to be cold calculated corporate pythons or anything i just mean we have to run it a little more organized and a little more efficiently so we can um you know you can write things off on your taxes as expenses at least in the states you can and you can have business expenses and you can figure out what your net, you know, your gross revenue is, your, your expenses. And I, I was a D minus guy in accounting. So trust me when I tell you, John, I, I am not a, uh, a great accountant or anything. So I had to dummy it up and make it simple. But I just said, write all the money you're making on one side of the page, write all the money you're spending on the other side of the page. And let's make that number a positive number instead of a negative one. This concept blew the mind of 99% of the independent wrestlers I was talking to. First of all, I was shocked, maybe not shocked, but quite surprised, taken aback by the by the fact that they didn't know how to do a simple balance sheet, a simple balance sheet yeah. that my 12-year-old can do. And my 12-year-old, is a, she's a smart girl. My 14-year-old boy is very smart too, but you still have to show them how it's done. I think it was just oh, a question yeah. of not showing them. And so we just organized it. And and then I said, you know, just do, if you run a business, what's the... The first thing you want to do is try to raise your raise your revenue. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, you try to get more bookings. More bookings just by math is going to get you more money. You have to sell merchandise. Look, never mind wrestling. Any independent rock, any any garage band, any band that plays in a nightclub, they make no money too. I, I swear, you know, look, you probably know this, John, because you're you're in, you're kind of you know you're around the business a lot. You see this, yeah. but there's a lot of guys in wrestling that are in rock bands and stand-up comedians and in other forms of entertainment. So the one I got pulled aside by a guy and I thought he was going to beat my ass. But he said, he said, hey, man, I said, I just want to let you know that this is a lot of the stuff we were that this is very well known through the indie rock stuff. And so you're doing a great job and, and keep at it. And I said, oh, I appreciate that. But that's been the secret of touring rock bands for years. The ones that aren't on, on labels. I mean, every country, every country band. And I mean, when country music, when they started doing all the uh LimeWire and all the torrent stuff and CD sales went into the toilet. Country music was really the only one that was still making money because they never worried about album sales. They worried about touring. 
release the album to give yourself an excuse to tour. And then they toured. All I'm telling people is go in. Look, the first time you go into any place, if you want to demand a price, you can try to demand a price. That's fine. But if you're not, if you're not worth anything to them, and I don't mean as a human being, I mean as a wrestler, because you don't have any value yet, show your value and then sell merchandise to make up the difference for now. And then when you show your value and become more valuable to the show, the money will go up and then you'll have both revenue streams. Look, this is not a new concept. And, and people think I, I have a few uh, naysayers out there that say I'm telling everybody to run around and work for free all the time. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, why, why are we not borrowing from Netflix? Why are we not borrowing from Disney Plus? Why are we not borrowing from all the models that say, give them 30 days free and they'll be a fan forever once they see your stuff? So if you're a good enough wrestler, I'm not saying work for free all the time, but if there's a great opportunity out there and they say, hey, we don't have a lot of money to pay for you, go in, prove yourself, and then ask for more money the second time. And if they don't want to give it to you, then you can make that decision then. So that was one of the, that was one of the ways I did it. And the second side is the expense side. Drive your expenses down. I, I, I don't think it's really that wild to tell people, put three or four guys or girls in a car and that'll drive your expenses down. And when you do that, you can actually rent a car instead of driving your own car and hoping that it'll, it'll last all the way around town. And then you can stay in a decent hotel because even if a hotel is 30, 40 extra dollars per night divided between three or four people, that's nothing. That's 10 bucks. So now you can stay in a nicer hotel with good mattresses that protect your back. And if you travel and you're a wrestler, man, that's something that tra- something that takes care of your joints and isn't beating up your body and you're not sleeping in a dirty stained mattress and a free breakfast and all that good stuff. That stuff has a value to it, too. So I really just kind of learned all these, all these little tips and I just put them together along with a lot of other stuff and the in-ring stuff will come. I've just started to kind of start doing some, an in-ring component where my buddy, wild man Congo, Mike Medina and I, we sit and we watch a match every week with a wrestler that they've handed to us and they sit in the hot seat for an hour and we, we go, we analyze their match from soup to nuts, man. We, we go right in and we dissect that thing and we go this is what you could have done better. We talked about finishes. We talked about managers. We talked about baby faces and heels. We talked about how to start a match, how to cut a promo, all in one match. They'll show yeah. me an eleven-minute match, and I'll carve it up. I'll carve it up for n- nicely with respect and love, but I'll carve it up for an hour because yeah. it's one of the benefits that one of our members get. You get a you get a call like that as long as you let me put it on live, so everybody can get the get the benefit of all our experiences. Then that's. That's what I do. So that's a lot of the stuff that we offer and uh, more in ring stuff is coming, more classes. But yeah, we we kind of try to give as many things as we can to equip the independent wrestler to be more successful while not having their wife yell and scream at them that they're away all weekend with nothing to show for it. So. Yeah, well, well, this is it, Bob. And, and, you know, a lot of what you've said and a lot of the advice and the tips that you're giving these independent wrestlers seems like, as you said, uh, a common knowledge, common sense. But do you think a lot of this advice and a lot of these tips have got forgotten over the years? A lot of the a lot of the advice that you've just explained to me and you give your wrestlers, you, you hear from kind of longtime pros from the 80s and the 90s when they used to share car rides and share hotel rooms. Do you think a lot of it's got forgotten over the years? I think a lot of it is, and I was, and I was the first one to, I poo-pooed it for years, John. I, I just wouldn't travel. I just, you know, I, 
how can I travel? Why, why would I drive all the way to North? Now, North Carolina for me is a 16 hour, you know, well, it depends where you go, but it's about a, between a 12 and 14 hour ride. Why would I drive down there? Well, there's a lot of opportunities in North Carolina wrestling right now. So maybe you would. And if nobody knows who you are, then you're going to have to go out and prove yourself. And look, I was much more accomplished than a lot of these guys out there hustling now. And I was a little scared to do it because I think it's a, I think it's an imposter scenario. I think it's a, you know, imposter syndrome where you're going to be found out that you're not as good as you say you are, or, you know, you're going to go down there and there's going to be so many great wrestlers. And what I learned was that pretty much every area is about the same. You have some good wrestlers, you have some bad wrestlers, and a lot of guys are, and girls are somewhere in the middle. And it's usually people on their way up and on their way down in independent wrestling. And that's pretty much where it is everywhere I've been. So I'm not as scared of it anymore, but I think one of the things you have to do is you have to kind of, what's that old saying, like run in the face of fear, you know, charge into the face of fear and the fear goes away. Yeah. I I think it's, and I think it's also a self-esteem thing. You know, it's, I'm not good enough. I mean, I was pretty darn good and I didn't feel good enough. So I can imagine somebody just starting out or two or three years in the business. I was 16 or 17 years in and I was like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm nervous. And it was all nonsense because if you don't go out there and don't see the world, so to speak, how are you supposed to get better? There's people that'll tell you, know your worth and stay home and, and get paid top dollar. It's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm not worth top dollar right now. I have to go earn that standing in wrestling first before I get top dollar. So I don't know if it's really forgotten. I think it forgotten in a way, but I don't think people, I think it just skipped a generation because like you said, I think, yeah, I mean, now I think about it, I think we're kind of on the same wavelength here, but I also think that a lot of the guys that knew this information either didn't want to share it for, because they thought it was going to be a big secret. They're going to get found out. Or it was just a question of they, they weren't teachers. They didn't care about imparting this information and I'll share anything with anybody. I don't care. You know, it's look, man, I've, I've gone through it all. I've been an addict. I was a gambling addict. Um, I've committed adultery. Uh, I married my wife twice. My wife took me back after I cheated on her. Like I I've gone through a lot of stuff, man. It was a long time ago. I've never done it again, but I can teach people a lot, man. Like I've made a lot of mistakes. Trust me. I've lost five, six, $7,000 on a weekend promoting wrestling shows. Like, and then I've made money too. You know, I, a lot of those mistakes that I got are behind me, <laughs> but <clears throat> I can teach you, you know, I, I forget who is uh, Thomas Jefferson, a Benjamin Franklin, or one of those old scholars said, you can buy every experience or you can rent other people's experiences. I'd rather just rent. I'd rather you just rent mine and, and, and get a <laughs> leg up. So you don't have to make all these mistakes because man, it is a tough business when you don't have any guidance. And there's another thing too. I just felt like, People weren't stepping up as mentors. Thank goodness we have a lot more now. And I think there were people that stepped up um, early on and kind of paved the way and then made me feel more comfortable doing it too. But a lot of it was just, it started from Facebook, man. Me just kind of putting stuff on Facebook and kind of pointing out observations. Like, hey, maybe all young guys aren't asses. Maybe all young guys aren't jerks. Maybe yeah. they're Maybe they're not arrogant. They're ignorant. Maybe they just don't know what they're doing. And they don't have a father figure in wrestling or a senior figure in wrestling to grab them by the back of the neck and hey, say, hey, look, stupid. What are you doing? I know I needed somebody like that. I was lucky. I, I almost got beat up in a couple locker rooms because of my stupid mouth. You know, I was an arrogant prick back in the day. Yeah. I'm not anymore, yeah. hopefully. But, you know, it's 
But if I didn't have somebody kind of, and I was lucky, I had a couple of guys that told me to lay off, but there were plenty of people that would were not interested in, in helping me. So I just try to be that voice of reason and say, Hey, look, you're kind of screwing up. And you know, if I see somebody posting something they shouldn't post, I'll send them a message, but I've also yeah. had WWE executives and I'm not name dropping. I'm just telling you that people are watching. When I posted something that I thought was very innocent, he said, that doesn't look good. You should probably edit that or take it down. Really? And I was, wow. yeah. And I was about to give him some big explanation how I knew better and he didn't understand. And you know what I did? I erased all that big response before sending it. And I said, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I'm going to change it right now. And, and I had to push my ego aside and it's not easy. Again, it's very difficult to do this yeah. stuff. So, and Bob, you know, do, do, do you think it's it's a case of uh, the legends not wanting to um, share the secrets of the business, or do you think it's a case that the the, the younger newer wrestler is too afraid to ask? What, what what do you think? What have you seen over the years uh, as far as the example I've just given there? John, I can tell you that one of the biggest the biggest misconceptions, and I bought into it too, is that this business is filled with a bunch of disrespectful young guys who don't want to. I'm just saying, guys, don't uh, girls, women, too. But I'm just saying a bunch of disrespectful kids who don't care. And all they want to do is dumb high spots. And they're all marks. And I look, man, I'm the most prolific seminar guy ever. I've done 250 of them. I haven't seen too many. I, maybe two. <laughs> and I've you know, you divide. You say that's probably about 2000 kids average. Yeah. That I've talked to that I've mentored that I've practiced with. Not including the ones I've talked to at wrestling shows, not including the ones I've had at my own school. I haven't seen this big um, influx of disrespectful kids anywhere. I can't, I can only even think I can count them on one figure, finger. And a lot of those mm. people came back later and said, apologized to me saying, yeah, I was just a dumb kid. And, and I say, you know what, my friend, so was I, you know, and, I, and back then I didn't have that compassion. I have a lot more now. Because they also, I think also the veterans forget that they were the mouthy, dumb kids before and they used to get yelled at. And I think exactly. they forget that. So, yeah. so now I'm, I, I try to go about it in another way. And, I, and I've been accused of always oh, panders to the, no, I just try to speak to them on their level. Look, my, my goal is in this business is to get a thousand people to double, triple or whatever, exponentially increase their income in wrestling while having a good life, honoring their family, being a good person. I'm so sick of another thing that drives me crazy, John, is I'm so sick of you either have to be wrestling uh, Roman Reigns for the belt at WrestleMania mm. or you're a broke, drunk, carny wrestler that beats his kids and is on drugs and yeah. left his wife. Look, there's, there's a, we're trying to build a middle class here in wrestling where you take you make wrestling work for you instead of the other way around. And that's another thing I've been trying to really offer. I mean, it's the only – I have a course in there where it's basically – Again, how to not get hassled by your wife. And I'm not trying to say all wives are hassling you, but that seems that's the biggest, biggest issue that I deal with. And I just put I put my notes down. I said, I'm going to speak from the heart. And I've been I've been with my wife on and off for my goodness. Let's see. Twenty eight years now. And I can tell you that it is tough. I think we just figured it out yesterday. That's it's tough. So it, you have to keep working at it and you have to communicate with your significant other, what you want out of wrestling, what your goals are, but you also have to come to them with a plan. If you just go out like it's Sunday uh, football and you're just hacking around with your buddies and there's no goals and there's no end point, 
why would they be behind you? Remember, it's your dream, not theirs. So you have to rope them in and say, I'm going to do this where it's much more profitable. So at least I can buy the groceries for the week. I can do pay a car payment for the month. And now there's at least if you're trading time, at least now you're trading time for money. Right now, they just view you as they're, you're, they're being taken. You're taking away my father. You're taking away my husband, my boyfriend, whatever, my girlfriend. That's what they're seeing. So that's why I'm trying to really bust through that. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a myth. It, it doesn't yeah. exist that, oh, if you're not into this to win the belt and be in WWE, well, look, man, I've seen people go crazy from WWE. I've seen people look, I don't, and I don't, I don't hate the WWE. I have a lot of friends in there. Uh, and, and WWE is, is an organization. It's not anything. It's neutral. But I've seen a lot of people go crazy out of there. I've seen a lot of people lose their minds, lose their money, not come back the same person. Because they not because of the WWE, but because they put everything into making it and it didn't pan out. And that's another question that, look, I'm a success. I'm a success story and I'm a success website. You know, I'm, I don't know if I'm a motivational guru or anything like that, because what motivational guru would say, look you right in the face and say, what happens if you don't make it? Don't you don't make it in, in WWE? What happens? What happens if you get signed and you wrestle for six months and they don't like you and they get rid of you? Yeah. What happens if they don't give you a push? What happens if you get a push too soon and they don't use you? What happens if they just sign you for a year because they're trying to keep you away from AEW and then they release you and then AEW isn't interested? I mean, there's so many scenarios. I'm not being negative. I'm just saying add this other piece to your tool belt and so you have it. And plus, you're not dead to the world of wrestling when you leave WWE. I think so many guys the past couple of years have proven that. Look at Kurt Hawkins. Look at Zack Ryder. Exactly. You know, I mean, those guys already had a plan. Those are the, I, I, I'm, I'm very friendly with Brian. I've known him since he was a baby. And, and, you know, he's very kind to me. He sent my kid birthday messages. They've always been so good to me, man. Like, but they've always had a plan. He's always had a plan. He said, and, and, and you, you knew it. He, he, he ran, he's running a wrestling school. He's running the podcast. He's releasing action figures. These are guys that knew that there was that, the WWE wasn't going to be there forever, no matter how well yeah. they did. And there's so many more options nowadays as well, sure. Bob. You know, you, you've got other organizations out there. That, and even on the indies, uh, it's well established that um, you can earn a good living from, from the indies. And like you say, if, if you're smart with your bookings and if you're smart with your money. Yeah, and that's the thing. And look, again, is it, are you going to have some stinkers where you, you wrestle kind of for not a lot of money and it's not a great show? Yeah, so you just thank all those people learn the lesson and move on they're not yeah. always going to be perfect but i've seen the biggest the biggest things i've seen john is that we really we're about 30 years behind in wrestling from a lot of other businesses in sales marketing um writing good letters writing good notes to promoters contacting promoters following up all that stuff we're miles behind every other business and when i and, and the thing is i've i've i there are some people that truly think that I'm telling people to starve to death. And I said, no, an entrepreneurial lifestyle doesn't mean that you dump everything and you go do wrestling for no money and hope you get a break. Look, I tried doing that and I was making a lot more money in wrestling than a lot of people, but I screwed it up because I needed structure in my life. I needed, I needed something that I had to go to every day. So I picked up a courier job, which is what I'm on. I'm sitting in traffic right now, but, um, but I, my courier job gives me so much structure. Now I have to do, all my other stuff, and it keeps me to a schedule. And 80 to 90% of people in entertainment are ADD, ADHD, so they have trouble scheduling anyway. Yeah. So 
it's very difficult in the first place. And now when you add, hey, do it all yourself and make up your own schedule, person who is bad at that, it's hard. So when you structure it and now my, my family money is taken care of and now I'm beginning a slow transition where I'll lighten up the courier work and then move into the rest of life and touring again. And, and all that good stuff, but I'm going to yeah. do it smart. I tried doing it stupid a couple of years ago and it didn't work. I fell back into my gambling addiction and it just didn't go well for me. So that's why I'm looking at this and I'm saying, man, it, it, it can't be just me. It can't be just me that struggles with this. So I, I picked up a good marketing teacher. I picked up a good teacher that teaches you how to lead people in a membership community. And that's why I started this. And Again, I've been teaching it at my Hangs with Bob seminars for about five years now, but now we're putting it on an online format and we're going to have people in the membership kind of mentoring each other and looking out for each other. And again, the in-ring, the in-ring aspect will happen soon, but right now there's, you know, we're going to, when I do my live seminar, we're going to take some clips and put that on there. Um, I start back in uh, Hutchinson, Kansas next month, which would be great. So... Yeah. It's, uh, but, it's a, it's a process, awesome. man. Yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's great news, but it's, uh, as the, as we start to yawn and stretch and get out of bed and get back to work here, um, I just couldn't sit back and, and just not do it anymore. I've had this in my head for a couple of years and finally I brought the concept to light and that's kind of where we are now. But yeah, man, I, it's, it, it, it's, you'd be surprised, John. Well, probably not, but cause I think you're kind of wise, but I mean, I think you'd be surprised how many people, are saying, oh, this business is tough. And it, well, it's tough if you make it tough. Yeah. And it's supposed to be hard work. That's why not everybody makes a lot of money. That's exactly. why not everybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you want to wrestle for 20 bucks, please do. I will not judge you. But do not ever complain that you can't make money in wrestling. Don't ever complain there's no money out there because there is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about social media because that's also sure. um, a, a, a huge part of being a pro wrestler nowadays um, and has been for the last decade or so. And, and it becomes even more relevant every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you give do you give much advice to uh, pro wrestlers on social media use, how to make the most of social media, how to promote yourself properly, how to build a brand on social media and do it the right way? Yeah, we have a couple classes, me and my tag team partner, Tim Hughes. Uh, we have a team called Tough Guy Inc. And mm. we've Tim's real savvy at that stuff. He's younger than I am, a lot younger, even though he looks the same age, but he's a lot younger. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tim, Tim and I, we had a we did a couple of Zoom calls and kind of made like a little Tough Guy Inc. reunion and um, you know, decided that uh, we were gonna try to smarten some people up on social media. So we kind of did a five do's of social media and five don'ts of social media, kind of a checklist. And really, it's a question of, you know, what are you putting on social media that reflects you? And obviously, you know, the easy ones don't be political. Um, you know, keep your if you want to be a if you want to be a big star, that means you have to be mainstream. And if you want to be mainstream, that means you can't necessarily be jumping into every political thing in the world. And that's just the way life is. That's not a that's not anything that has you can have your own personal beliefs. I respect all that stuff. That's fine. But in this world, it's 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 too much to be screaming and yelling about certain issues, taken aside either side, because it seems like you're alienating 50 percent of the country when you do that. And then so that was one of the big don'ts that we had. And then the do was, um, you know, stand out and have take excellent pictures, 
um, have something to say, have a voice, whatever your voice is. My voice is of teaching and gratitude most of the time and support and love and looking out for people and trying to help, trying to put money in people's pockets. That's, that's my, that's my thing. That's not Tim's thing at all. Tim's thing is posting an occasional picture, maybe doing, saying something goofy or funny, a little bit of ironic humor and then in and out. No, you, you wouldn't know what, you know, Tim has a girlfriend. You see pictures with his girlfriend once in a while, but you don't know much more about Tim. He's yeah. not posting a lot about, he's not, I go on and on. I'll tell you a lot of stuff and I'll kind of bear my soul. Tim's the other way. Now, Tim is a thoughtful guy, a soulful guy, but he just doesn't feel that's the right, his right voice in wrestling. He's kind of the goofy guy. So that's, that's the character he's going to play. And that's where we have to, that's kind of where you have to do it. Also, I would really recommend this to wrestlers. I don't want to see a high, another highlight video of you doing a cutter in a dirty ring um, on a hard cam 62 miles away with bad graphics. Um, I don't need to see the moves. I, by the way, I'm a 48-year-old out-of-touch old man that doesn't mind if you do the moves, I promise. But I'd rather see a, a, some kind of a highlight thing that uh, really shows your character, really shows who you are. I don't care even care if it has any moves. You know, uh, Sean Donovan from New Jersey, he posted a good one, a very like a grizzled ring vet veteran one um, that I helped him with. So I'll kind of brag on both of us right there. But I kind of gave him the idea because he showed me a highlight video with him clotheslining people. And, you know, all the moves were fine. But I said, everybody does that. You're just another version. Show me something that show me something that you do that somebody else doesn't do. Another example of this is uh, MLW, Richard Holiday um, from he's another New England guy. But he did yeah. that Christmas video. And I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's uh, it's really good. It's funny, but it's his character all the way. Um, and even if you don't know what his character is, in two and a half minutes, you pick it up. And that's what a good highlight video does. Now, does it highlight his moves? No, but he's in good shape. He's a great-looking guy. I'm sure he does great moves, and I know he does because I know his work. But if you didn't know his work, you'd still be impressed with, um, wow, this guy must be a star because he put a little time into it. It's a nice vignette. It's filmed. It's very cinematic. But it's simple. It's not this big, crazy thing that took a bunch of production to do. It was a simple production. But again, it's two simple ways to tell your story. Yeah. I want to know who you are. You know, show me, a, think about a, a Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent, right? Think about those little two, two and a half minute vignettes they do before they go out and do the act, right? Exactly. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You know that person's story, or at least what they want you to know, in two minutes. And now you're now you have why do you a person you've never met, you saw on TV for in a five-minute segment altogether, and you're crying at the end. Why? Well, because the person's doing this for his dying mother, or he got an accident, or he's just this is his first shot. He's he's 42 years old and he's never been on a stage before. But, but then never... you're already invested, then aren't you? Once it's... you've seen that two minute clip, you're already invested in the person. It doesn't matter what they do afterwards. You fell in love with that person straight away. And you give them the benefit of the doubt. It's all manipulation, which, which is what wrestling is. Yeah. So if you, if you lean into that and now you find a way to have a human, even a human connection where you're a jerk um, or at least some kind of a connection, like, wow, this guy's nuts. That's fine. I mean, this guy, is, he's a space alien. He think, Or he thinks he's a space alien. I don't know which one's scarier, right? A guy who's a space alien or a guy who thinks he's a space alien, right? Because that's what Cornette used to do with uh, Marty Wright, Boogeyman. Cornette thought the Boogeyman thing was stupid. So he just had Marty Wright be a delusional, crazy guy who thinks he's the Boogeyman. That's way scarier to me, John. I don't know about you. But, oh, 100%. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that that's, we have to start thinking like that. What's, what's your voice? What's your character? Who are you? You know, it's not just 
Hey brother, I'm, you know, I've had these guys, one guy showed me, Oh, I'm, I'm a guy who's from Vegas and his gear looked hard. He's a nice guy. Again, it, this isn't a personal attack, but I said, Hey, I saw your video. Can I, and I showed him a bunch of, he showed this thing of Vegas and, but then his gear's not particularly good. He's wrestling on a bunch of shows with 10 people and you know, the, the moves weren't particularly good. Everything wasn't well executed. And I said, if you were a high roller for Vegas, wouldn't you throw a college kid 10 grand um, to, to put together a highlight reel for you? Wouldn't you do that? And, and, and you'd have, you know, you'd have something like really nice. Wouldn't you, if you're a big high roller from Vegas and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I would. I said, okay, well, I, please don't throw $10,000 at this, but you could probably give somebody on Fiverr or uh, a college kid that, you know, a hundred bucks to do a really good video of you. And it would probably be you walking. He, I said, do you, and he had a casino around him. It wasn't Vegas, but just stand close to it with one of those camera lenses or the filters that makes you clear and the background blurry and just walk around. Oh, the bright lights of Vegas. And you just get in tight enough so you can't really see where you are. And then that's one thing. And then you can rent a limo or ask somebody if you can just get filmed. Hey, man, you're parking this limo here. Can I just step into the limo and my buddy will tape it? I'm doing it for like a gag or like a YouTube video or something. I, I'm yeah. sure 10 people will say no, but one person will say yes. So yeah. you can you can do that. Like, do that. Do stuff like that. All you need is a 10-second clip. And, and then it just show you walk into the doors like, oh, I'm going to go score at the casino today. And that's way more impactful than this nonsense of uh, doing moves and the, the camera's all askew and, and there's no people in the crowd and there's always that fat guy with the he's always he's always sitting in the front row with his arms folded. The fat guy, I don't know. He goes to every show, John, in every country. I see him. You know, so it's like, why, why? Stop showing me that. It doesn't. And then they're thanking their editor. I'd be like, well, your editor's doing the best with what he or she has, but you're not giving him anything. Like, come on, like, don't you want to be on TV? Like, or, or try? Like, Joey Janela. I've seen Joey. You know, I like Joey Janela. And Joe, if you're out there, hello. Joey Janela tell you he's not the most blessed wrestler. He's not the most natural. Look, I'm not either. So, I, you know, so truth be told, but he's not the most skilled uh, technical wrestler you've ever seen in your life. And that's, but then when he started doing these video things where he's looking for Marty Jannetty and all this stuff, what got him the attention? It was all that stuff. Go. So, yeah. And, and now, and now I think he's going to be okay. You know, Joey's doing okay. So, but there's one example. But once, yeah, once, Joey exactly. Janela, once Joey Janela could tell his story, you know, it's the same thing where I plugged you in. I, we talked to Mikey G, right? Mikey G in San Diego. That guy should be on everybody's podcast. They should be learning. I think I'm going to have him run a course in my class, in, in, my, in, in the rest of life, man. I might have, He's to, awesome. edit, awesome might have to edit all the bad words out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what a, what a brilliant mind. Look, is it different from my mind? Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I, and, and I'd have to tell him, man, I really need you to be PG, uh, you know, uh, uh, dirty Ron McDonald here. I don't know if you can do it, but I, I sure, you know, but what a sweet guy. Um, and, and, and what a, what a smart business guy, like one of those underrated smart business guys, you know, just we're, we're not looking at the people around us and seeing what we can, what we can borrow from, you know, he's trying to do a movie and he'll get it. He'll get there one way or the other. Yeah. He'll figure something out. He'll get there. 
but that's... yeah, he's doing a great job, and he, I know his movie is going to be awesome. Like I say, we've all seen the trailer. I interviewed uh, a, a Mikey a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact, and he's a fantastic guy. Um, but uh, can we talk about your, your wrestling career, Bob? Sure. Wonder, because you, you've been in the business, did you say, 29 years? So nearly, you know, nearly three decade, decades, my friends. But um, yes. when did it all start for you? When did you get that itch to want to uh, jump into the wrestling business uh, as a trainee? Or when did you first join the wrestling business? Well, I I started falling in love with I've, I've, I've considered myself really fortunate, John, because three of the biggest three of the biggest uh, times in wrestling I was at very different points in my in my life. I started um, as a fan in 1984 for the war that settled the score with Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. What a great time to be a fan! I was 11, I think I was 11 oh, years yeah. old at the time, which is such a cool age to be involved in wrestling. Um, then I was booked as an extra about 18 or 20 times in the Attitude Era. So I got to see like a lot of the cool angles and stuff and actually be involved in one of them. Here's a really stupid, uh, here's a really stupid trivia thing. I was originally going to be the doctor that pulled the hand out of uh, May Young. <laughs> so, and then I made such a boo-boo, I made such a boo-boo face about it. It's one of the first times, it's one of the only times I've ever really politicked. Um, <laughs> but I kind of just made a boo-boo face and they said, oh, you really don't want to do it? I go, uh, I don't know. Do you regret not taking up that, uh, that, that uh, game? Back then, no. Yet now, yes. I would. I would love to have been that little trivia footnote in history. But, um, and then now I'm in this era, which I think is a super interesting. I think this era is going to be in the history books. This is a really interesting era. So anyway, but back then, yeah, I followed wrestling when I was 11. Started watching WWE because I'm I'm in a WWF territory up here in Mass. I'm about an hour south yes. of Boston, and um, so started watching WWF. And then a year later, I started seeing these guys on TBS that was the more quote-unquote real wrestling with all these southern accents. I got to watch Crockett um, and started just kind of watching both products religiously for a long time. And then in 1990 and 91, I started a backyard wrestling group and put it on cable access and then got called by a, a, I don't even think it was called independent group back then. I think it was called semi-pro or whatever they were calling themselves, but um, a trainer called uh, Brian, uh, well, his name was Brian Breger, named Brian Breger, um, who's now located in Reno, Nevada, and he's the trainer of Reno Scum. So I am uh, uncles to, training uncles to the Reno Scum in Impact Wrestling, but um, but Brian was like, yeah, you seem like you're really, really into this backyard wrestling stuff. Would you ever want to turn pro or semi-pro? You know, we've been doing it for a few years, and I said... I'd love to. So it was me and another guy. And the other guy went to two practices, blew his knee out in 1992. And I've been there ever since. So um, now they're called, um, oh my goodness, Top Row Pro Wrestling. And they're still around 29 years later. And they're still doing well. Um, actually, the pay-per-view, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view that just happened. Yeah. That building is the home of Top Row Promotions. And that building was also the building that the ESPN special where Scott Hall got carted out when he was drunk. Yeah. That's the same building. So where Vinny and Matt Taven, who are two of my babies, um, battled each other last night on the pay-per-view. Um, yeah, the, so that building's very special to me. So I started that's, there. That's amazing. Yeah, I started there. Man, it's full circle. That's 10 minutes from my house, that building. I wish they had told me. I wanted to. I would have loved to make a cameo. <laughs> um, but it's... Uh, you know, it's, 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 and then I just started 
wrestling man. And then I was fortunate enough a couple years later to meet a guy named Jeff Costa, who was an original Killer Kowalski student. And uh, Jeff kind of taught me how to work, how to become a ba- how to become a good babyface, how to become a good heel. Taught me how to be a carpenter so I could carry everybody on the card. And that's how I ended up training all my people. I still think that's how somebody should be trained. You should always be trained to call matches for your people, to call matches for your opponent. If they can't do it for you, that's, in my opinion, that's the best way to do it because you'll never be out of a job. And uh, just kind of took it from there, man, and then uh, started getting booked as an extra in in the late 90s and kind of struck up a friendship with Kevin Kelly and kept kept that friendship going. I'm a guy, Kevin's one of my best friends. I'm his son is my godson and we were very wow. close to this day. And then when Kevin and when Kevin left and then kicked around for a while and in the real world and then he went to Ring of Honor in 2010, he said we're going to kind of be doing this tryout camp. So I paid to do the first tryout camp in Ring of Honor. And I had already done some dark matches and had a bad attitude and kind of didn't really take it seriously because um, I didn't realize what Ring of Honor was. I didn't understand the history. I just thought they were a bunch of sure. idiots that did a bunch of stupid stuff. So I didn't really pay them the respect that they were paying me. But then when I went into the tryout, I lost 40 pounds. I did the best I absolutely could. And I, me and Mike Bennett were the two guys who stole the camp. And Mike Bennett was my trainee. It's a legitimate story that um, I trained Mike since he was 18. So... Um, so Jim Cornette called me and said, Hey man, I don't see you wrestling here as much, which hurt, which hurt my feelings, but I understood what he meant. He said, but do you want to manage Mike? He said, I think there's a spot for you. We need you. We need a guy like you here. And then, so I did that. I behaved myself. I, I managed Mike for like a year and a half, two years. And then I started wrestling. Yeah. Um, I asked to, I asked to wrestle and I said, can I wrestle on the show? And they said, yeah, you have a seven minute match with Eddie Edwards in next month. And then um, I was very good to Eddie Edwards on those small shows in New Hampshire uh, in front of 40 people when he was 17 or 18. And so Eddie Edwards was kind enough to give me a 50-50 match on Ring of Honor TV when all his friends were screaming at him not to. Um, that's the kind of guy Eddie Edwards is and is today. He's a great, he's a great young man and now a great man in his 30s. But um, And then it just kind of grew from there. And I uh, started doing the tag with Cheeseburger, which – was a fun thing for a while, and then yeah, I, I want to talk to you, you about know, uh, sure. about Cheeseburger because you you you, you did have uh, a good tag team going with Cheeseburger. It was one of the highlights of many people's week when they I'm tuned into pl- Ring I'm of Honor. I got time here. I'm just gonna plug you in because my battery's dying. Sure, you can hear me. Can you? Hear I, me? I can still hear you, Bob. I can still hear. You. We're still rolling. Yeah. Uh, are you good for battery well, on your phone? So I'm good. Good. I'm good. So, I'm plugged in. I'm good to go. Oh, awesome! So, 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 your partnership with Cheeseburger. I mean, you had a good run as a team with Cheeseburger for yes. uh, getting on for a, a year and a half, and then, and then the tag team fell apart, as all good tag teams do. And then you had this this series of <laughs> matches with Cheeseburger, and you had some amazing grudge matches. And I think uh, was it Final Battle 2015 when you had the, the blow off match against Cheeseburger, and unfortunately it was in a, it was in a dark match uh, for the pay per view, a YouTube exclusive, which I know your character wasn't too pleased about. Uh, but that was a, a really great story you, you told uh, over then two years with Cheeseburger. What, what are your fond memories of that uh, that time uh, with Cheeseburger between 2013 and 2015? Well, I'll tell you, that was one of the most gratifying and one of the most disappointing times in my, in my life because I knew that whatever money was going to be in that feud was going to be eventually me being the heel and him being the babyface, obviously. 
So when I turned heel on him, we kind of, I, I knew I couldn't have a straight meat. He's, he's put on about 30 pounds now. He's actually good size, you know, but back then he was, I mean, I was as big as I am now and he was just tiny. Yeah. So if you notice in any of our matches, like I almost never go for a pin. I never, it's hard, you know, because you just, I didn't like, I loved wrestling him, but it did, it did prove it. It did prove to be a challenge because, and this is not a shot on his masculinity or anything, but it's wrestling somebody the size of a woman. So it was like a small, small guy. So you had to kind of treat it like that in a way, like wrestling a manager. So, but the good news about it was they said, you guys are going to open up final battle. And I was super excited about that. And for a long time, I thought we were going to be on the, on the pay-per-view. And then we got the news that said, oh no, you guys are going to be on the YouTube exclusive. So to be honest with you, man, I was pissed because I was like, this is one of the matches. And look, it might be ironic for some people. It might be silly for some people, but this is one of the most heated matches heated rivalries in the company right now so i took it as an insult so but yeah but it's fine i I wasn't mad at anyone in particular but i was kind of like okay you want to play that game that's fine so i did a youtube i did a youtube promo where i said and plus i tried to saw his hand off so this kind of made sense i said you guys ain't gonna be me i'm just gonna i'll turn it right around on you so i said this match is so dangerous that they, they're afraid to put it on live pay-per-view, so they're gonna put it on YouTube so they can edit it. So what I did was, and this is a good example about branding, I put us in another category. All of a sudden, we're our own little pay-per-view in, in amongst ourselves. And that was one of, for a long time, before, next to the women, we were the mo- one of the most viewed matches on in YouTube at the time for Ring of Honor. And, you know, finally, we only had, we, I've only been pinned once by him, and it was in that match. And I almost killed myself at the end. People think, did I do it on purpose or did I do it by accident? Trust me, I did it by accident. But I wish I had done it on purpose because it was the perfect ending to our match. Because I was such it really a was. goof yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so he beats me. And that was it, man. But I have, man, I have all the time in the world for Brenda Little John. Um, he's going by the famous CB now and all these crazy nicknames. But he'll always be burger to me. And, man, I love that guy. And he's turned into a hell of a trainer at the worldwide dojo in the old ring of honor spot in bristol pa 701 canal street i can it's 300 miles away from me john i can i can, I can get there with my eyes closed i've been there so many times but he's him and sumi sakai are doing a great job sumi, i've known Sumia for 20 years another old friend but man brendel little john is going to become a man he's a he's a star maker in this business i i don't yeah. know if He'll never be as appreciated as some of the people appreciate it as, as much as I do and other people do. But man, he's, he's trained some excellent, he's trained some excellent people and he just keeps cranking. He just keeps cranking out good talent. And man, he did. I got nothing but great things to say about what a great guy, what a talented man, what a great teacher, man. It, and and it, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of all the success, but I'm still mad that he beat me. <laughs> But well, wrestling fans would say it's a perfect ending to that feud. But uh, I mean, you, you've met a lot of wrestlers as, as they were breaking yes. into the scene. You, you met, uh, you, you mentioned Mike Bennett. I mean, there's also been Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa. You mentioned Eddie Edwards and so many more. But besides those that are on their way up, you've also met a lot of sure. legends that are kind of in their twilight years of their career, like Tito and Santana, like Jim Duggan, like Jim Neidhart, the New Age Outlaws, Jake Roberts, one of my heroes. What's yes. it like to What's it like to face some of these? 
heroes from the 80s and the 90s and probably some of the wrestlers that you idolized growing up as well bob my well the, i wrestled jake before ddp got a hold of him if you know what i mean mm. um so he was about 315 pounds and uh having a bad day and jake roberts at 315 pounds having a bad day if you know what i mean uh was still 20 times the wrestler and 30 times the babyface I'll ever be. Everybody talks about Jake being a heel. Jake was one of the best babyfaces who ever lived. Watch his matches. The two matches he had with um, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Madison Square yeah. Garden. Those are the first two matches I say about anybody. Everybody talks about Jake and the promo and all that. That's oh, all yeah. good. But if you wrestle like Jake the Snake Roberts did as a babyface, it's the match where, I think it's the first match they had where DiBiase gets disqualified. If you wrestle like that as a babyface consistently like Jake did, you'll make a million dollars in wrestling. That's the best I've ever seen. Um, and we wrestled at that same aforementioned PAL hall, me and Jake, and that was by far the heated, the most heated match I've ever had in my life. I've never heard a crowd that loud before. I'm getting goose pimples just thinking about it. It was crazy, man. Like, and And I wrestled him for four minutes. He said, I'm sorry, man. I can only give you four minutes tonight. I said, that's fine. And I got to say to Jake Roberts, here we go, kid. Short on clothesline and give me the DDT. So I got to say that to Jake the Snake Roberts. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, he taught me so much. He taught me so much in that four minutes, dude. It was crazy. And then my my second favorite guy, and I've wrestled, been fortunate enough to wrestle him three times, is Tito Santana because Tito yeah. Santana is my favorite, uh, my favorite babyface of all time. Everybody talks about Ricky Steamboat, Ricky Morton. Tito Santana could stand right with him as far as being a babyface. Does not get the credit he deserves. Good babyfaces, you want somebody different to watch, somebody who ch uh, chases it from a different angle, watch Tito Santana. Nobody has babyface fire like him, especially in the comeback. you got to watch him. It's crazy. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you must feel very kind of privileged to have uh, had the opportunity to face a lot of these um, kind of uh, heroes, Hall of Famers over the years, Bob. What, what were some of the standout moments for you that you're really, really proud of? What would you say are kind of your top one or two proudest achievements in wrestling then, Bob? Uh, let's see. Well, proudest achievements is one you're probably walking me into by accident or on purpose. Um, the two Iron Weeks I did, those were really proud. Um, especially the fact that I wrestled in 2009, I wrestled six different people on six different days in a row, um, in 60 minute matches Wow! while going to work, while going to work every day and taking care of my family and not missing a day's pay or anything like that. That was 2009, 2012. I did it seven days in a row and I've been fortunate that I think 12 out of the 13 people I wrestled had never wrestled an hour before. And all, every single one of those matches was on the fly. We didn't call a thing, not even the finish. Four That's of those matches, we didn't even hit the ropes. Yeah. Wow. So one of the coolest things, that, one of the coolest things I got to say, and trust me, what I, I'm so proud of this guy. I've had nothing to do with his career, by the way. I do not want anybody to think that I trained him. Adam Cole was going to make it on his own, but I was, I was very fortunate to wrestle Adam Cole um, in, in an hour match. And in 58 minutes in, I tied up, you know, we tied up, we were close to each other. And I said, hey, man, we haven't touched the ropes all match. And he's like, holy mackerel. You're right. We haven't. That's so cool. Wow. Like Adam Cole, Adam Cole is going to be a legend. He already is on his way, very much on his way to be a legend. What a great guy again. And, you know, quality. This is where the good guys finish first. 
and just him and Britt, great people. Um, but yeah, Adam was a Adam was a good friend. Still takes my calls once in a while, which is very nice. I try not to bother him, um, <laughs> but he's a good dude, and yeah, he's a great dude, and just he's the man. So, but yeah, we it's uh, it was, that, that was probably my biggest achievement personally, and then the rest is man, just what's to come. My biggest achievement is going to be getting all these wrestlers to believe in themselves, get on the road if that's what they want to do, or just make money at home. And really, like, I want, you know what I want? My real goal is, John, is to have a bunch of wives and husbands come up to me and say, thank you for, thank you for enriching our lives. Thank you for, that's what I want. I want that. That's what I want for this business. I want people to be doing it, not going crazy from it, not getting look we're all going to get hurt but i don't want people to get injured and i don't want people to make dumb decisions like i did i want people to go into things smart and make a little bit more money have a blast doing it and just get a lot out of this business like i did yeah and bob as we wind down this interview um where can we find out more about uh, wrestle life i know well, we wait, in... oh, wait, oh, a minute, wait a minute wait a minute you, you go you go ahead i my... promised i i promised my man Every podcast I do, and I can't, mm. I'm super proud of you because you're kicking ass. Oh, you thank you very much. The answer, so, <laughs> so, but, th but this is, this is what I do. So I want to ask you, my friend. Yes. What can Uncle Bob do for you today? What can I do to help you? What are you, what are you struggling with? What's, what's the next step for the Johnos Podcast Network? You're doing a great job, but what are you button up against? What can I help you with right now? Sit, oh, sit in this, sit in the chair. And let's talk about it for a minute. Oh, I wish I had. I wish I had ten minutes to think of this, but uh, you, you've put me on the spot. I'm, I'm not used to being put on the spot, Bob. I'm normally the one putting that, <laughs> asking the questions. <laughs> um, gotcha. let, let's see. Let's see. Um, I don't know. I mean, you, 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 you've been very complimentary of the things that I've done with Wrestling with Johnners and, and the podcasting network. And I know you, you uh, kind of shared one of my posts back in February. Uh, you said that this is kind of how you look after your audience. And I really, really appreciated that. Um, but yep. uh, I, 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 I'm struggling to answer your question, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think all, all podcasters would like to widen their audience or maybe, you know, monetize their, their, their show somewhere down the line. I mean, do you have any tips for myself or for podcasters in general about widening your audience or maybe monetizing your product? Um, or kind of what's the best way to reach out to people that might want to invest in, in you as a brand or you as a podcaster? Well, I think the biggest thing you can do, and this is the same advice I would give to anybody in wrestling, is, is don't worry about getting signed right now. Sign yourself to your own brand, make a brand, and then if you want to look at it this way, stop worrying about getting signed. Hmm. Then, then you just have to answer for somebody who may not even be watching. You yeah. may be singing for somebody who doesn't even have the radio on. So don't worry about that. Get Worry about signing yourself to your own brand, getting so big that they call you and say, how can we acquire you? Yeah. That's what you want to do. So whether you want to be acquired or not is your business. But I've been told by this by a bunch of people at NXT, especially NAW. They're always looking for people with big social media followings. They're always looking for people who are making noise, the right kind of noise. And they're always looking for people who are interesting and have a story. So that's why I keep telling people to kind of be your own thing 
You don't have to be wild. Look, I'm a regular guy. I'm just the nice old guy who wants to help people and get people along and, and, and try to give people advice to, to get them going. But man, has that been lucrative for me? Because I've always wanted to be this guy. I've always wanted to walk into a room and have everybody hug and kiss me and Uncle Bob, you're the best. And, oh my God, you gave him such great advice. That's the person that I've always wanted to become. So what do you want to become? What's your, when people say your brand, that I think that throws people off because they think they have to be like Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. You don't have to be anything wild, but who are you as a person? What do you do? You know, the Johnners Wrestling Podcast is such a simple but effective name. And by the way, one of the biggest things I kept pointing to was I'm getting messages from this, this network every day. I'm getting um, the different shows. I'm starting, look, I don't know anybody's podcast aside from, you know, Jim Ross and uh, Tony Schiavone and those, you know, combat stuff. But why is this little podcast quote unquote little mm. podcast? Why do they keep showing up in my feed? What are they doing differently? Well, first of all, they're taking care of their stuff. All their stuff looks organized. They're tagging people. They're tagging my friends. They're not spamming me. They're just giving me information. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, do you have an email list? Uh, I do not. Ooh, I lost Is that you. something you would okay. advise? Okay, so I got you now. Yeah, I, so, I, so, this is what on. I want you to do from now on. I want you... Yeah. To, to give people some kind of a cool bonus, right? You'll notice I do this a lot, but you don't have to be me, but give people a cool bonus, like a cool interview, a cool show, something, you know, maybe ask a certain guy if he wants to do a, an extra show with you maybe sometime, that's a hint, but it doesn't have to be me, it can be somebody else. And then you, what you do is you offer that, hey, we don't, we haven't put this on our site, but we're offering this to you for free, no money, because you're not worried about money right now. You're worried about a following and people mm. engaging your audience. Put your email list, put your email in, and we'll send you the download. And then they put their email in, they're on an email list, and now you update them. Because here's the thing, John. What happens if Facebook goes away? Oh, Facebook will never go away. MySpace did. What if yeah. Facebook changes their rules again? What if Twitter changes their rules again? What if Twitch changes their look? I, this is not a political statement. This is just an observation. You think Facebook and Twitch are liberal? Twitch makes them look like Donald Trump as far as that kind of stuff. So yeah. you, you, you might say one sentence that is taken out of context, and all of a sudden you have two weeks off. They give you a little vacation. Sure. So you still have yeah. to find a way to reach your people. Now, that's a worst-case scenario. I understand that. But you have to start looking at it like – and plus – Facebook should be something where you engage your people, you tell them what's going on, but it shouldn't be your sole thing. Facebook is what Facebook is what they call the top of the funnel, but you're trying to get, you told me, you asked a general question, but I assume it's for you too. You're looking for sponsors, you're looking for ways to monetize your stuff. You can't do that unless you find your true fans. Well, who are my true fans? Right now, you're just sending stuff to wrestling fans. However, yeah. eventually you're going to find your true fans that will buy your stuff. So do that. Also, don't be afraid to throw uh, uh, one of these, you know, your, your favorite podcast that you kicked ass on and asked a bunch of great questions and had a bunch of cool information. Don't be afraid to sponsor that stuff. Throw 25 pounds at it. Throw, you know, throw a couple bucks at it sure. and sponsor it, boost it on Facebook and get 5,000 
get 5,000 views on it, get 10,000 views on it, and walk people right in to your, to your, you're going to have to be a crazy thing out of the wheel, but just remember that you can, you can do a lot of stuff with a basic design and an email list. And that way you can hammer your email list all the time. You can hammer your email list every day and they won't be mad if they're following you. Yeah, so that's awesome. just, that's the biggest piece of advice I would give you, my friend. So there we go. you're doing a lot of the right things. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. But no, that's all very, very valuable and uh, worthwhile advice. And I'm certainly going to take you up on that email list. I think that's a great idea. But uh, uh, Bob, back to yourself. Um, uh, where can we find out more about uh, the Wrestle Life? I know you've got a website. You've got various socials. If people want to reach out to you and say hi or learn more about uh, what you're doing with the Wrestle Life, uh, tell us more, my friend. Where can we say hi? Well, the easiest way to do it would probably be I'm, I'm more of a Facebook guy than anything else. Um, so you can go on Bob Emmons, my personal Facebook page. You probably won't have much luck friending me, but you can try. So I would say at least follow me because I, I offer some pretty cool advice on there for free again. And the WrestleLife.com. Look, if there's independent wrestlers watching this, especially my friends in the UK, I know you don't know me from a hole in the wall. I have a lot of good friends in the UK. Um, I was Finn Balor's second opponent ever in the United States. Um, one of my students was his first ever opponent in the United States, and I know he's from Ireland. I know that. Thank you. I'm not dumb, but I'm just saying, um, you know. But I know a lot. I know a lot of you blokes from there too. But this American is just trying to sell me something. No, I have a free 14 day trial. Jump in there, check it out for two weeks, 14 days. You just go to thewrestlelife.com. You'll see a bunch of banners. You can read all about it. You can read all about testimonials, things we can things we can do for you people's lives that I've changed, people's lives that we've affected, and what the site will do for you specifically. We have a lot of information on there. And like I said, just click the trial. It'll be 14 days and $49 a month after that, but you can cancel anytime. So don't worry about that. It's zero risk. So check it out. Give us a chance. I think you'll find a lot of valuable information in there. And hopefully, my friend, this fall, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, so I'm excited about that. I can't wait to come see my friends in the uk england like i said england ireland all over the place i can't wait to see you guys it's gonna happen and it's gonna, it's gonna happen. be a blast yeah. and i really hope i get to man i, I I've, I've had so many requests and i've wanted to get there and we were supposed to go there last year and we all know what happened so man i'm excited but yeah the Russell life has its own uh, facebook page too a lot of free stuff on there too if you're scared to go to the site um you can go there too so anyway that's pretty much the way to do it, man. So indeed, indeed, feel free and Bobby, to reach out and message me. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do go over to the UK, uh, let me know where and when, and I will be there to shake your hand. But uh, brutal, Bob Evans. Oh, it's been it's been you, amazing uh, having you on the rest of the Dolls podcast, my friend. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. You're a hugger. <laughs> You're gonna give me a hug. Uh, a hug. You're gonna give me a hug. You ain't shaking and, my hand. And a, and a, and a pint a of beer as well, Bob. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bob, uh, it's been great having you on the podcast. Uh, take care and thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. I had a blast.